1116 SEN. This is the Flag Flyers for the American Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Find the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler, and alongside me is Lockie Miller. Hello, mate. What are you doing? The Hain plane. <laughs> it's landed. No, it's taken off. I don't know which one. <laughs> taken off, I reckon. Yeah, good. taken off. Yeah. yeah. He has. He That was tremendous what he did on the weekend for the 49ers. He had a couple of good runs, and now the hype, I don't know if it's still it's it's justified yet, but he's certainly one step closer to being justified. How I mean. concerned were you when I just let off with that noise? That like, maybe I didn't I was know what you were like doing. A stroke or something. I'll be honest. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. That's right. All right. Hey, so it's our first show back for a couple of uh, couple of months, which is terrific. Yeah, we've been on hiatus, given that uh, college sport has been on, on a break and pro sports been on a break, so uh, the US-focused sports. So, uh, no, good to get back into a, a new season of uh, of the Flag Flyers. Obviously, we had our Aussies in Profile series uh, over our winter, which has been terrific as well. We've had some great chats with a lot of great guys, so you can go back uh, on our Facebook page and on our Twitter and have a look at those and on SEN.com.au. Mark Worthington. Mark Allen, um, yep. Chapman in detail. Yes. Justin Huber, the GM of the Melbourne Aces. There was plenty of good chats there, so make sure you do go back and have a little listen to it. We'll do that again next year once um, that time of year is up again. But now we're back into the swing of things. We're going to chat to uh, Chappie again today because the college football season starts off in a couple of weeks' time. So we're going to be previewing the FBS guys this week. And then next week, it'll be the FCS guys and the positional players. So this week is going to be terrific. We're going to be focusing on guys like Cam Johnston, Tommy Hackett, uh, Blake O'Neill, all these guys. That's what we're going to chat about later today with uh, Chappie. But first, we wanted to chat about Jason Day because it has been a tremendous morning for Australia and Australian golf with Jason Day taking out the US PGA Championship. I didn't watch much of it, I must admit, but it is a terrific, terrific uh, moment for uh, for both Jason Day and Australian um, Australian golf, Lockie. Uh, a lot of commentators, uh, much well, uh, much greater um, experts than I am, uh, commented on the fact that Jason Day is the is the talent that we expected Adam Scott to be yeah. in terms of you know he he's much more consistent he hasn't had that breakthrough until now and I just reckon that this is potentially the start of maybe um uh you know a, a really um promising career from a a, a winning majors perspective. Well, he managed to hold off uh, Jordan Spieth, who was the favourite, I think. Yep. Uh, at Whistling Straits, so let's have a listen to Jason Day uh, post win. Oh, it's been a long journey. I mean, just. I didn't expect to ever grow up, be on the PGA Tour, and then I mean, I'm going to be a little emotional here, but uh, it's just it's an amazing feeling, just the work that I've put into my game ever since I was a 12-year-old kid, and to be able to stand in front of a crowd like this today and um, win the PGA Championship is pretty special. I didn't expect that I was going to cry. Um, <laughs> and, a lot of emotion has come out just because I've been so close so many times in major championships and just fallen short, just really close. And to be able to play the way I did today, especially in tough conditions, especially with Jordan in my group, um, I mean, I could tell that he was the favourite. And, you know, just to be able to play the way I did and finish the way I did was just just amazing. Um, you know, overall, I'm just really pleased with how I, how I played. I mean, it was just, I mean, I couldn't ask for anything better and... To be able to, you know, just finish it off and and finish it off with style was uh, was just an amazing feeling. Class Act 101, and without taking an un. 
fair pot shot again, like most of the media do on on people like you know the tennis players of Kyriakos, whatever. Kyriakos, Kyriakos, Kyriakos and uh, Kokonagis. I'm more of the two. No, that's 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 like their Brangelina name, Kyriakos. <laughs> uh, oh god. Uh, but you know, just looking at Jason Day and and you know uh, the 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 character and. Um, you know what he stands for. Um, you know represents what I think uh, an Australian sports person, you know, is. Yeah, you can tell how much it meant to him as well. He, he has obviously been working so hard uh, to get here for for his entire life, and he's finally got here, and he's done a tremendous job. Mark Allen, who's um, who hosts the Run Home here on SEN from uh, four till seven pm Mondays through Thursdays, and he's our golfing expert. He, we spoke to him uh, as we mentioned before on our Aussies and Profile series about his golfing career and. He's pretty much the voice of golf around here, and he joined um, Kevin Bartlett on Hunger for Sport this morning and spoke about the fact that Jason Day just seemed a bit relieved about the whole situation and, and um, how Mark Allen felt after watching uh, Jason Day take out the USPGA. Let's have a listen. Watching Jason Day, watching him cry on the last green, watching the, the family, watching him and his caddy Colin Swatton together, um, you know, you, you, you do your best to say it doesn't really matter and that uh, we'll win a major at some stage. But um, I think that I think those tears were more relief than probably anything mm. else. We know how just the talent is undeniable. He's a freak. Um, he out putted Jordan Spieth. He out hit him as well. Um, it, to, to see him finally win a major, to see him uh, understand that the doors now open up for his career to be a special one, I think it all hit him on that 72nd hole. So well done to Jason Day. We're all supporting you here in Australia, and we're just very proud of what you've been able to do over there, mate. So well done. Also, you mentioned it at the start, Jared Hain had a tremendous day uh, in, in preseason when you're doing the arms there, the plane arms, the Hain, the Hain plane, or the Hain train you could do as well, whatever you really want. That's the Hain plane, mate. Hain plane. A lot of people had their doubts about how it would go, and uh, we kind of had our first look uh, at Jared Hain in a, in a match simulation in their um, week one preseason game, and he he really he looked like he belonged, I think, which was which was tremendous to hear. Let's have a listen to uh, his fifty three yard run that he uh, had as a running back uh, only a couple of days ago. Second down and two with the thirty four. Hain the carry. Hain with a hole. Jared Hain, nice cutback. Hain. Looking for a little bit of clearance. And Jared Hain fighting his way near the 10-yard line. A.J. Boyer saves the ta- saves the touchdown. So hopefully now it's not only going to be Australians that are singing his praises. Hopefully it's going to be some people in American media as well who have finally n- taken notice of Jared Hain. And hopefully this game, and if, if he can back up the form that he displayed on the weekend, that's going to go very far in actually landing him a, a roster spot for the season, which would be terrific. Yeah, I, I, look, all things in in perspective, I, I think uh, he to, to land on the fifty three man roster is going to be a Herculean effort. Um, but at least that footage or the way that he played on the weekend kind of solidified the fact that he at least deserves to be in the preseason. It's, it's that one more step that we we had no idea how he would perform uh, in a game situation. He could have been terrible, but at least he's actually shown glimpses of something, which is yeah, what we wanted. Yeah, absolutely, and he, he's, he's far surpassed anything that I thought that he'd be able to achieve. And and uh, and look, I think he's, he, his lateral movement, uh, you know, he's cut back and, and things like that. Like, he's got that, um, that turn-on-a-dime agility doesn't necessarily have the, the straight line speed um, that you see. You know, you got got mowed down, and it's all relative. I mean, the people he's playing against are athletic freaks, but 
and the, the the one thing, and I don't mean to be like a, 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 a rainy cloud over him, is that the fact that you know he is playing against you know. Um, Backups. Third stringers, yeah. Yeah, third stringers. But but having said all that, I mean, there's promising signs. And, hey, I'd like to think that if he doesn't make the cut this year, that experience potentially will lead him into a really good platform for next year. Well, one man who's been following Jared Hayne just as much as anyone else in Australia is Adrian Jensen from Aussie Guys NFL, and he joins us on the line now. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing, boys? Yeah, not too bad, man. Now, I'm especially good because of uh, the way that our boy Jared Hayne played on the weekend. Was this beyond what you expected him in his first uh, proper hit out, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think he's, he's hitting all the right buttons because, you know, this is what he really needed to do. Uh, honestly, his first NFL action... And he really performed. And it was not not just the fact that he, he made a terrific run, it was the fact that he was breaking tackles and he found his, his crease perfectly and, and he, he almost outran uh, some of the uh, other players as well. So he actually looked like he, he belonged. It wasn't the fact that he just got lucky. It was the fact that he actually looked like he knew what he was doing and, and he actually had the physical capabilities to be able to perform at the NFL level. Yeah, that, you're absolutely spot on. It was his second rushing attempt and honestly, he just he just picked that hole. Look, it was a, a, a lot of the... Uh, I mean, Twitter exploded. <laughs> yeah, as you'd <laughs> expect as well. After the game, as you'd expect. Uh, and a lot of people have said, well, look, it was a really big hole, which is true. Uh, excellent blocking by the left tackle, Patrick Miller, and also the fullback, Bruce Miller. It was, it was a good hole, but to Haynes' credit, he really hit it. Yeah. He really did hit it with explosiveness, and he made a good cut as well. And he had a 53-yard run. He was brought down by the Houston cornerback, A.J. Boye, uh, at the 13-yard line. So it was really, really impressive. And, you know, I mean, on one hand, you can say it was a big hole. On the other hand, he did what he needed to do with what was there. Spot on. And he also had a couple of nice um, punt returns as well. He did. So he had a couple of... He averaged 12 yards on two punt returns, and he had a kickoff of 33 yards in the mix. So how much do you think his chances have improved since a week ago, I guess, before he had this hit out? How much have his chances improved of actually making that final roster, if at all? Well, that's the question, isn't it? And I think it, they've definitely improved a little bit. Uh, certainly, I think heading into training camp, he was probably number six on that running back depth chart. And what, if anything, what I think he's done in this game is he's probably put the knife to Kendall Gaskins, who was a running back that they had on their practice squad that they brought up for training camp. So I think he's gone. And Haynes probably sitting at number four or five, I would say, on the depth chart. One of the really interesting things was they actually put him in straight after. Like the first team played the first series. So Carlos Hyde and Colin Kaepernick under centre, they played one series down the field. And then Hayne was next in. And that's, that's really telling because he came in ahead of Mike Davis, who was their rookie pick this year at running back. Um, whether that means that he's ahead of Davis on the depth chart or not, I don't know, but it's, it's a nice sign. Have you seen, um, you know, from the limited footage that we have on, on, on Jared at a, in, a, in a game situation, is he uh, above your expectations? And if so, by how much? I think he is, and, you know, one of the criticisms of him right throughout training camp and certainly in this game is he does have a very upright running style, but, you know, it hasn't really factored in. I don't think it's really had an impact on his, like a negative impact on his play at all. 
so I would say he's ahead of expectations. Uh, Jim Tom Sula spoke quite highly of him. Kaepernick we, as well. Yeah, yeah. But I think both were, well, Tom Sula especially was still a little bit guarded, trying to probably keep a bit of a lid on it and just sort of said, you know, he's got a, got a way to go to make the roster. An interesting thing also, I mean, certainly in Australia, a massive explosion on social media. Uh, the US media are starting to get a little bit excited as well. I think they regarded Hayne as a bit of a novelty early on, uh, but there has been quite a bit of positive buzz. In terms of, uh, I suppose, the platform that this gives Jared, I suppose, going forward now into potentially this season, which, you know, is still going to be uh, an awfully big, um, big step up. Do you see this as potentially, uh, you know, a really good springboard maybe into maybe really giving it a shake next year? Yeah, perhaps. Um, oh, look, I, it, it'll be just interesting, I guess, to see if he makes the, the 53 and probably the, the biggest, ironically, the biggest problem for him on that roster really is Reggie Bush because Reggie Bush probably represents a lot of the same sort of skill set that Jarrett does, brings a lot of the same things to the table. And so uh, I guess if if he doesn't make the 53, then he probably is sort of looking at a 2017 campaign. Mate, we always appreciate your time here on the Flag Fires. What's coming up on uh, Aussie Guys NFL this week? Well, we've got a really great uh, podcast coming out in the next couple of days. We spoke to Matt Waldman, who's one of the football guys, and uh, also puts out a publication called The Rookie Scouting Portfolio. So we're we're essentially launching into our fantasy football month in preparation for the season. So lots of fantasy stuff. Sounds terrific, mate. We always appreciate your time. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Thanks, fellas. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flag Flyers. Chris Toller and Lockie Miller. It is that time of year again where we chat some college football. It's been too long. It's been a while since we've had Nathan Chapman in the studio with us, but uh, he's back with us and... We're going to preview the uh, upcoming college football season. Once again, there's a whole bunch of the boys who are going to be competing in this year's college football season. So, Chappie, welcome to the show. Good day, Christos and Lachlan. The first thing that we want to touch on before we actually get into the on-field stuff is uh, your off-season trip. You went over to the States, caught up with a lot of the boys, uh, said hey to them, had a couple of beers with them, all that sort of stuff. How was the trip? Because I was, I was looking at photos on Twitter and on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. It looked like you had a ball. A junket. A junket. A uh, junket, junket it was. All business, boys. All business. That's um, what they say. That's slash say. football trip turned out to be. No, it was, it was great. I am uh, looking forward to posting a lot more of the pictures. Um, unfortunately, as I was going on the tour, the social media or the picture-taking duties it all got sort of mixed up a little bit. So we had four or five different iPads being used. Oh, so It's all over the joint. When I got to, uh, late in the trip, when I got to uh, Penn State with Danny Pascarello, we literally had to dump everything on his computer. So right now, a lady, Holly Rowe, who works for ESPN, she's yeah. got the camera that was used. Really? And Danny Pascarello has all of the photos and film on his computer. And I've got what's taken on my iPhone. So, oh, that's why the pictures are pretty limited. And that's pretty big news. Not only have you recently, and people should definitely go check this out on uh, Chappie's YouTube channel, um, which and you'll find a link on uh, Facebook and Twitter, is uh, Discovered, the, the usually the halftime sort of mini feature doco that runs in the AFL on a Friday, Saturday night, did a feature on yourself, didn't they, recently? Yeah, they did. Uh, and that came out a couple of days after I'd left. 
And me not being the greatest with social media, I didn't get to see it until literally only three or four days ago. So, again, big thanks to uh, Jack Wright, who who does that production work there at the AFL and Channel 7. But and, be, and now, when you're over there, you've got Holly Rowe from ESPN Game Day? Yeah, that's going to be College Game Day, hopefully. So that's the big one. And on now that. he's on College that's Game Day, good. like ticking every single possible box for exposure. Like, that's pretty massive. Yeah, but I had the camera, so I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure what you'll be able to take from it. And we did have to uh, take some of the filming off the camera before she received it. Censored? Yeah. Yep. So what was your favourite part of the trip then? You went to a whole bunch of... Where did you go and where was your favourite place? Because you went to as many different of the uh, of the stadiums as you could, didn't you? Yeah, well, look, was the idea was to go over and get in some training with all of the boys before they went to full camp. Yep. So the idea was, okay, we go to a certain location where we hooked up with Ray Guy and his kicking camp, ProKicker.com, and then all of the guys flew down, or as many as they could, met there and then we we trained um and then would travel around with each other to certain locations um get as much training in and training in as possible before they had to take off so the trip was we just basically went straight from melbourne to utah to catch up with uh, tom hackett and we were there for a day so a part of that was a couple of guys joined us there so jake ford came with me on the flight uh, and then we met Johnny Smith and Wade Lees in Utah. So it was, um, you know, there was four or five of us there at one stage. But that was on our way to go to Atlanta. So we basically went to Utah to check out the facilities and the head coach on our way through to Atlanta. Got to Atlanta and that's where we had Danny Pascarello and uh, who else was there? Alex Danaki and Jake Eckwood came along as well. So all of a sudden that four or five now turned into nine. And that's where we started our training. So went from Atlanta to, um, there was two days of training from eight till four was the, the schedule. And then on the second day after we finished, we basically got in a car, drove five hours to Hattiesburg, woke up the next day and did then did basically another two days of eight till four training in Hattiesburg. Um, and on the on when we're in Hattiesburg, that's when Jamie Keane drove up. So all of a sudden, We've got 10 guys there training with each the other. The all-star group. The all-star group. Um, we did that, and then it was a little bit of relaxation time down to Baton Rouge. So we um, we caught up with uh, Josh Groudon there and, and Jamie in his facility, met Les Miles, coaching staff, had a kick out on the field, went through Tiger Stadium, played some golf, which was uh, which is great to have all the boys out playing the golf. Can you just imagine that posse walking the streets on their own, just like getting all the attention from the media, I'm sure, everyone recognising you, everyone trying to buy you <laughs> drinks. Was that the case? Uh, <laughs> no, we, we already had a drink in our hand most of the time. We didn't have <laughs> it. But, um, yeah, and then, look, it was it was great. Timmy Gleeson came down from um, Rutgers to meet us. And, yeah, boys just had a great time. You really good bit of home cooking and, and larrikinism before we, uh, if that's even a word, before yeah, it got serious. It would have been good to meet all the coaches, I imagine, having you Skype them all um, all for such a long period of time. I heard uh, that uh, uh, you, you almost broke uh, one of the major rules in telling Urban Meyer basically how, how to punt or something like that. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, look. <laughs> we, no one it does can it come across right? like that. Um, so after Baton Rouge, we then had to fly up to Pennsylvania and we went to visit Rutgers and then we drove to Penn State and then we drove to Ohio State and then up to Michigan. So at each stop, we basically 
I made it a bit of a plan that I would like to kick it on everyone's field. So that was their duty. Thanks for everything, but you now need to make it happen. Um, <laughs> so, and all of the boys did that, which was great. In the same part, it was to meet the coach and get a photo and do all that type of thing. And um, by the time we got to Ohio State and meet Urban Myrie, we just had a bit of a question about about punting and sort of was commenting on some things about Cameron and because they can't because the coaches can't watch these guys punt until yeah it's been so long they're not allowed to be with their players that he was sort of re-going over some things that Cameron and I had been working on over the summer and then so for him to sort of mention something that you know you've got to do this and you've got to do that and he gave me a demonstration I sort of had to politely say, "Well, I see what you're saying, but <laughs> back off." <laughs> this is how it. This is the reason why, and this is what is. So, um, yeah, I know. Uh, I know Cameron sort of had a bit of a giggle, and he was taking. He was trying to back out of the door when he heard me say that. He was like taking steps backwards. Out, uh, out you heard it first, Urban Meyer. Back off. Yeah, that's awesome. What did you think of Michigan? I love Michigan. Yeah, um, and again, all, all the stadiums are really good in, and in their own. Um, in their own way, they all had their wow factor, and but they're all at different um, areas of the field. One Tiger Stadium was as soon as you walked out of the race, you were smacked in the face with this massive stand that went straight up, and you could you could feel the intensity. And there's no people there. At Penn State, you had that feeling when you were walking from the change rooms under the bleachers to go out the race. So they're all at different different areas uh utah smaller stadium but there was something about it that you just knew that it was loud so being out on the field again you every every stadium ohio state well i mean what I, you just knew that was would be crazy crazy big um the stands were so surrounding and so high it's it was a, a great feeling uh but I had a great um, a chance to have a couple of days in Michigan, and that's probably why it was a little bit different. Each each place I went to was literally, you know, meet the coach, have a kick, get in the car, and drive away. So it was. But in Michigan, I got a few days to meet and speak with coaches for a lot longer. Did you have any opportunity to catch up with uh, Tom Hornsey or Jordan Berry, or were they too busy with um, preseason activities and, and training camps and all that sort of stuff? Uh, we did catch up with Jordan Berry. He was at the first camp that we went to with Pro Kicker in Atlanta. So he came down and, and did coaching. Like he was literally a day away from going to training camp, and he was down in Atlanta, you know, teaching young kids and, and helping teach. So, good yeah, good on Jordo for you know, doing what he loves, but he um, he did some demonstrations there. And if he didn't put, you know, he had like 30 kicks for the demonstration and if 25 of them weren't 5.4 hang time and massive kicks. So he was in a great spot, but um, I didn't get a chance to see Tommy Hornsey because he was still in Australia right. when, when we'd left by then. You also in this off-season had the unique situation of uh, having an American kid come out to train with you and Sam Lloyd. Did you manage to catch up with him? And how did that sort of uh, situation play out with Sam coming over here? Yeah, uh, Sam came out in, uh, when was it? I don't remember, January, February, March even? Yeah, it would have been after we finished the season talking to you. So it's been in in the off-season period. Yeah, so he'd he'd been out here for a week. And then when we went to, um, basically to Atlanta... He was another of the players who came and joined us. So he did four days of training with us. Um, 
caught up with yeah with all the boys, and then on the way out when I went back through LA, uh, I caught up with him again to do some training with Tom Hackett and Marcus Kinsella from Portland State. Awesome. So let's get into our uh, preview for the season, right? You've got a whole bunch of guys who are playing in. We're gonna, we're, what we're going to be doing, Lockie, we're going to be starting off with the uh, the FBS guys this week, and then next week we're going to be doing yeah. the FCS guys. The special team FBS. Special team FBS. That's what we're going to start off with, and the next week we're going to continue on. So this is our first part. And we want to start off with the Pac-12. You've got a few boys in the Pac-12. We'll start off with the reigning Ray Guy Award winner, uh, Tommy Hackett. How do you think his season's going to go? What do you expect from him? Can he uh, go back to back in the Ray Guy Award? What do you uh, What do you see from him? Yeah, well, look, there's no doubt that he um, he's going to have that attention on him straight away. I think most teams are going to change the way they play him. He's so he's going to have to adapt and suit whether it's two returners or one. You know, they might want to rush him more. So I'm I would in, imagine that you'll see a bit of a different um, setup to their system this year, so they can still get the maximum effect. But knowing that, you know, he's, he's certainly going to be having two returners down there most of the time. So I'd say expect a lot of, yeah, a lot of pro-style punts and then, yeah, trick kicks along the way. But, yeah, interesting. He, he's, he's kicking the ball well at the moment. Heard last time that he's hit the number of 5-0 kicks. So. Coming off being a junior and, and winning the Ray Guy, what, what does someone like Tom uh, zero in on for his senior season to make sure that his focus and ambition or, you know, is, is locked in? Um, he's been really good. He likes to he likes to have his downtime after the season, but certainly when we've trained over the summer, he's or oh God, their summer, he's he's certainly worked a lot on his technique um, from the from the main spiral point of view. So um, can't fault him there again on on this trip, just day after day, just wanting to make sure he got it right, even though it was still pre season and he was training. So he's he's mentally switched on, and I think. Having and or being around a number of those guys on the trip certainly got back saying, "Hey, I'm ready to go. Let's play." And obviously, playing at Utah in the Pac-12, he's got a couple of matchups with uh, teams with other Australian representation in them. The first one being against Michigan, I think in the, f- the first game of the season, third of September. So it'll be um, Blake O'Neill and um, and Tommy Hackett, which would be tremendous to start off the season. Yeah, well, hey, no bigger. The guys have trained with each other; they know each other inside out. Um, Coach Witt at Utah is great with special teams and understands how to make that work. And Coach Baxter at Michigan is a student of the game in special teams and loves watching Tom Hackett. So if you think that John Baxter hasn't watched a thousand hours of film of of Tom and then will be saying, Blake, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to beat Tom Hackett in the return game. It's going to be an interesting battle, I've got no doubt. Uh, segueing into the other boys in the Pac-12, it's actually two signings this year. One that's actually been over there for a couple of years in JUCO, and Nick Perebski. Uh, what do you see from Nick uh, bringing to the Beavers this year? Now that he's uh, finally reached the the level of Division One. Yeah, well, I think a number of these teams, special teams, has been an area where it's going to help them a lot progress in the rankings. I think you know Oregon State's they've got a good team. They're they're you know they're going to they're going to struggle in some of the games and that's where the special teams comes in is so important. So Nick's got a real, really big opportunity to, to set a name for himself and provide that um, strength at special teams that a Tom Hackett did at Utah. And, you know, there's no doubt that he'll give their team an opportunity to win more games based on the strength of his leg. Um, he's got 
he's got uh, great touch and skill in the Aussie drop punt, but he's also got a booming right foot that you know, puts the ball really high. So I'd expect long kicks, fair court, um, and certainly that ability to, to drop it deep or, or wide. So um, And if uh, they actually play Weber State in round one, so we've got a couple of guys at Weber State in 1AA. They play uh, Oregon State first up, so be another doubleheader of Aussies playing in that game. Then we got Jake Ford at Oregon, another big signing. Tell us a little bit about Jake because we don't know a whole bunch about him. So what's his backstory and uh, what do you see him doing this year? Yeah, Jake, he's a, a Shepparton boy. Um, spent some time playing. Um, yeah, was on the cusp um, of AFL level uh, of getting drafted. And then, again, injuries, like a lot of things. Just takes guys off the radar a bit. Did some work with the Bendigo Pioneers, I think it is. Um, in terms of their fitness and structure, so worked you know within the the AFL ranks to develop young young kids, and so he's been doing that for a number of years. Uh, came down, had a kick, um, was a uni student, so you know we could we could certainly work with him academia wise. Uh, he was offered a couple of places, and this is an interesting part to it. Just because you can kick a ball doesn't mean you can go to college. He had two or three offers, and um, but academically, the colleges that offered him couldn't provide the right course for him over there. Therefore, he couldn't transfer. So um, there's, a, there's a, a big story as to why he ended up at Oregon. That was after the fact that he'd had an offer from Maryland. He had an offer from Texas. Wow. Um, and it may have even been uh, UCLA. So it's Some a big schools there. Yeah, big schools. But now he's at Oregon, so we sort of say he's fallen on his feet. And what's his major? Uh, he'll be doing a sports science. Yeah, nice. And that's the thing. Uh, I think uh, we've spoken a little bit about Jake previously uh, uh, off air. His story is actually really uh, fascinating in that the, the length that he's gone to to um, pursue this this pathway or this dream, he's actually really put a lot of it on the line or really committed to it. And now he's landed at arguably the, the, the glitziest um, college football program, but also one of the best. Yeah, that's right. And they're going to, um, you know, we haven't, although we know the coaches there a little bit, they're certainly going to find out exactly what talents he's got. Uh, though we do know that Mark Helfrich loves Tom Hackett and been in the Pac-12, has played against him and, and understands it. So if they're smart, they'll, you know, use him the same way as they would Tom. Again, they're, I mean, they're, they flip the ball and, and have all of these different schemes and setups. So I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, if they allow him to to run with it, kick drop punts, uh, move around the pocket, whatever he needs. But again, he's still going to have to. He's competing against two other guys. He's still going to have to hit those kicks, hit the spirals right. Otherwise, the coaches will think, oh, you know, is he ready to go? So. You know, not to say that he's not a walk-up start there, but certainly these guys, and at every whether you're on scholarship or not, or you're the starter or you're the second string, you're always competing against somebody. So, uh, big learning curve for him, knowing that he's just turned up now, ready at full camp. And I think the exciting thing is, uh, obviously, now that you've got in the one year you've got Oregon and Oregon State, is that the Civil War game on Friday, November 27, uh, at Eugene. He's going to have two Aussies facing off. That's that's one of the biggest rivalry games in, in college football. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many massive games this year where there's double headers with Aussies, and it's great. Yeah, we hope you know, ESPN get right on board and make sure they cover as many as they can. But re- really, it's interesting that 
the the history about the game can go way back and the the rivalry from the Australian point of view watching these games and playing in them they're literally just um you know the intensity's there and they want to outdo each other but it's also for a little bit of a different reason and they can you know have a bit of a shake hands and a, and a giggle afterwards but good luck you know I hope you go well and they can I'll say walk it off after the game. You know, there's not that long tradition in history between the two players, so it's uh, an interesting take on it. And obviously, another reason why we have so many Aussie v Aussie matchups is because you got five guys in the Big Ten, which is very exciting as well. Oh, that's um, been exciting for us. It's good for um, coaches around the league to see, you know, the difference in. Um, I guess statistics-wise, you know, if our guys are producing and they're all in the Big Ten, you know, we're sort of hoping to push those numbers down to the SEC or the ACC and say, hey, listen, these guys can play in big games. You just need to, to get on board. Some of these games, we've got Penn State v. Rutgers on the 19th of September, Ohio State v. Penn State, 17th of October, Rutgers, Ohio State, 24th of October. Uh, there's a bunch of others as well. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them. It's going to be so good to watch. And hopefully, like you said, if ESPN actually put on these games, we've got to try to organise something with one of these local sporting bars and get people down and watching it all together. It'd be great. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a real chance to. Uh, depends on whereabouts and what time of day. And yeah. that's the thing. If it's two o'clock in the morning, well, we're in trouble. But you know, and you're not coming to my house. Chris and I will be all right because you know we're we're, we're young. We're, we've got energy. We'll, we'll actually be coming home at that time, so we'll just pull an all nighter. I was actually looking into it the other day because previously uh, I, I haven't had pay TV. So how I watch these games would be largely dictated by you know what would open up first or what I could stream online legally. Um, and uh, and I was looking the other day because Chris and I have been looking at uh, maybe. Uh, um, you know, starting uh, at six a.m. in the morning, doing a doing a morning Sunday morning full of college football. So, getting on their uh, what, what's it stand or whatever the uh, Telstra T box, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoever it is, and, and getting the uh, the the pay TV hooked up. So, uh, it's going to be an exciting season full of um, matchups. Yeah, I don't. I think there's a real there is a real opportunity for someone to do something for the college community because I mean, there's a number of friends of players in in across the country here that would love to catch up with you know other guys there's a yeah you know, there's a real sort of fanfare amongst college football i think guys really enjoy it so you know it might start small but i'm sure that you'd slowly get people on because might be parents it might be a family thing as it leads into the day the first one we got to uh, tick off on the Big Ten is actually uh, not someone that came through your program, someone that you have uh, have talked to before and have some relationship with, is the 2014 Lou Grouser Award winner, Brad Craddock. Uh, again, like Tom Hackett, a junior winning the best kicker in college football. What do you see for, for his year? Obviously, he, he was one kick away from the perfect record last year. It was the last kick of the season where he missed on a field goal. What do you see for, for Brad this year in terms of uh, his focus potentially leading up to maybe a prof- um, professional career? Yeah, look, in speaking to Brad, he's a yeah an ultimate professional too, works really hard at his craft, knew that as soon as he'd won that award, he needed to get back to work. He, he'd felt that there were some flaws in his technique or he needed to get an extra extra yardage. So he's got, you know works with Matt Stover, um, a great technician in in terms of the kicking side of it. So, yeah, I've got no doubt that he'll come back, you know, really strong again this year. Um, the field goal's an interesting one because it 
there's three people involved, snapper, holder, and then the kicker. So, again, if that special teams unit or structured part of it stays together, then they should really take that next step from, from next year. But what does the next step mean? What, kicking that extra goal? Yeah, exactly. And I, mean, I think uh, the, the interesting thing I find about these special teamers, uh, because their their role is so uh, process-orientated or methodical, um, you know, there's no real room for creativity per se, is that they're actually obsessive-compulsive about practice. Like, it's, it's, it's about refining down their technique to, like, an absolute millimetre, millisecond sort of thing. So it, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I watched, a, I think, a little segment on Brad Craddock a couple of years ago, and, and the coaches were just saying that, you know, he's, he's just obsessive about you know, nailing these tiny specific details. And I suppose that that's showing out in not only his performances, but also, you know, a lot of the punters that we have through there succeeding. They're just so fanatical about getting the details right. Yeah, and there's an unseen part of that, which, you know, the connection that the snapper and the punter has or the snapper holder and kicker have. And unless you, if you've got any hesitation and you don't know where the snap's going to go and then you don't know how the holder's going to hold that ball... It creates hesitation, and then hesitation means a bit of a stutter, and then all of a sudden you're out of sync. So there's a there's a big area where um, the snapper and the punter have got the same relationship. They just know it's going to be in a good spot, so it makes the the punter calm down and approach his kick better. But when the when the punter knows the snap's going to go anywhere, you can't get yourself set. So then you're on edge. Where's this one going to go? And you can't just lead into the kick. So pretty important part of it, the whole system. Cam Johnson does next next play. We want to have a look at Ohio State. They could go back to back depending on uh, we'll go back what happens. Back. We'll go back. You're calling it already. Calling Early it already. prediction. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens anyway. But here they, they do have a tremendous chance of going back to back. How big is Cam's head since uh, winning the national championship? How's it been going in the off season? The only thing Cam wanted to do was beat me in a kickoff when I got to Ohio State. So <laughs> did he do it? How'd that go? Uh, yeah, he actually the kickoff. I did get beaten by Cam. Uh, <laughs> He beat me. Uh, Jamie Keane beat me. Tom Hackett beat me. Who didn't beat you? Um, I'll say, actually, Blake O'Neill was the only one really? out of the whole camp who didn't beat me. Vivian. My God. Michigan fans are going to be filthy. Well, the only reason he didn't win is because we had a we had a, a banana kick from the sideline, <laughs> and I literally nailed four out of five, so I just jumped up in points really quickly. <laughs> And just one. So it was almost to some uh, freakish kicking by myself on one particular angle <laughs> that uh, saved me on that one. The anthracutifidies yeah. of his generation. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Good, thank him. And then Dan Pasquariello, Penn State, or Pasquarello, I think we've now established his name is. We've been saying it wrong all year, I think, Lockie. But uh, what, what can we expect from Dan this year? Uh, Dan, you should expect a different player from last year. He's, uh, again, just a year older. Um, a bit more experience in the system, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's a pretty big uh, program to walk into, um, Penn State initially, and for for the position they were in when he, you know, when he got there, there was a lot of pressure on him. Um, not being any excuses, he did work hard. Came back, worked over the summer, came on the the, I guess the trip just recently on their their Atlanta and Georgia and Pennsylvania um, parts of it. So we'd sort of spent an extra four weeks just recently refining what he needed to do to get the distance and hang time and consistency. And so far, tra- from what I'm hearing from training, is his, yeah, his numbers are right up there. So we'd expect a, a massive jump in difference from him. And 
and sorry, just a quick go back to Cam Johnson. Punting really well at the moment. Um, a lot of pro-style punts, so big hang time, good distance. Uh, and like you say, they're a, they're a big chance, big, big chance of going all the way. Team strong. Maybe if Cardale Jones actually stopped uh, tweeting Ronda Rousey about getting a date, maybe the team might feel a little bit more. Have you seen that? No, but yeah, well, come Is on. Is he going to be the quarterback anyway? Yeah, he'll start. Yeah, well, yeah, you've got to have a bit of downtime and you can't sort of hit up Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Mate, every, the last every... per- I can't think of a worse person for a quarterback whose, whose number one commodity is his arm to target would be Ronda Rousey. She'll rip it off. Like, she'll arm bar it in half. Oh, she's probably soft at heart. Yeah, yeah, well, who but knows? She, she's not biting yet on, on Cardale Jones from everything I've seen. Next one we'll go off is uh, Tim Gleeson, who's had some injury concerns over the last couple of years uh, at Rutgers. What's he shaping up to do this year? Is he, is he a bit more healthy? Yeah, he had an operation uh, on the knee, so he got that done just uh, at Christmas time. Basically got back into the into the strength, kicking well. Um, I hadn't spoken to him in the last week since they'd started camp, but from yeah, you know, from what we saw on the on the train, on again while I was in the states, kicking really well. Yeah, they, actually their their system's a little bit different. They you know from what they expect, They're, all these coaches want something different, whether it's hang time and distance, whether it's directional low on the sideline, or it's you know a lot of rugby. So they've they've all got something different to work on. So we made an interesting trip about seeing what. The different coaches had set for their punters, so yeah, Timmy's got directional, put it out on the sideline. Yeah, hang time, not as big a factor because he's he's basically kicking it to the sideline. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of a different different situation than anyone else. But um, if the knee holds up, which yeah, I assume it will, and I hope it does, that uh, he'll be fine. He'll have that starting spot. But he's he and uh, the other guy. Uh, uh, what's his name? Tim uh, Joe Roth, or th- I think it is. He um, doesn't even matter what his name is. We don't uh, need to use it. Both, Back up. They're both, they're Back both up. seniors, so they can, yeah. they can uh, fight it out between each other. And Absolutely. and rounding out the Big Ten, the, the new boy, the pretty boy, the male model, Blake O'Neill, who's just gone over to Michigan. Let us know a little bit about him before we get into his game style. Let us know a little bit about him and about his backstory. We had him on the show a couple of months ago. But uh, for those people who might have, have missed uh, our chat with him, let us know a little bit about Blake O'Neill besides the fact that he was a tremendous male model once upon a time. <laughs> a tremendous ma- model. <laughs> tremendous. Um, look, he uh, came down, big smile, big hair, and um, you know, had a bit of a boot. Smart guy. Speaks eloquently. And, uh, you know, he his journey was, at the time, again, this people must understand, the scholarships just aren't sitting on a table and we go, here's one, right, who wants it? Uh at the time, the best option for him being only that he had uh, two years of eligibility left was we'd set him up with the coach that had taken Tom Hackett to Utah. So when he took a head coaching role at Weber, we thought, right, we want to replace, well, not replace, we wanted to give that coach a, a good version of Tom Hackett, which we did in Blake O'Neill. And he ended up... Um, sort of going through academically he wasn't going to end up with the the um, degree that he needed from Weber they couldn't offer him exactly what he needed to finalize his um you know his degree or his master's um so by chance has it when Michigan spot opened up he was a perfect fit for it coach loved Tom Hackett understands the punt game wanted something similar and uh Blake was a perfect fit for it so and wasn't he one of the first players that Jim Harbaugh recruited when he got there? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was if basically the, probably the first guy yeah. who uh, was was offered. Yeah, the number one recruit. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he'll be he'll he'll need to be. I mean, they've yeah. There's no secret that they're they're trying to get that quarterback situation sorted, and they're so their offense is going to have to work really hard to be on the same page. So, uh, what do you need if you don't have a good offense? You need a good punter. Absolutely. SEC now, you mentioned before that you want to get more guys playing in the SEC. you got two at the moment. We'll start off with Jamie Keane, obviously LSU, three at the moment, sorry. Uh, Jamie Keane at LSU, we've had a whole bunch of guys come through the LSU system. Jamie Keane is the current punter at the moment. Josh Groudon is his uh, successor, I guess. How do you see these guys shaping up? And Jamie Keane's obviously coming off a, a decent season as well. Yeah, uh, had a, a much improved season last year and was Jamie was still angry. He just know he just wants to get rid of, you know, a couple of kicks, or he just wants to boot that ball so big. He has got an absolute cannon of a leg. So, um, works hard on his technique as well. Works on the on the things he's, you know, he wasn't the the natural punter coming into, or you know, the natural kicker coming into to doing this um, our our program. But by crock, he's, he's worked hard at it. He's got this massive leg. And, and again, he was hitting balls that were 60 yards and 5.4 while we were over there. So, uh, you know what? There's He's been slowly progressing year after year. So, again, as we expected last year, to end up at 45 yards for LSU, what a great result. Didn't get the accolades we thought he would. But uh, wouldn't be surprised if he starts hitting around the 48 mark for the season. He's sort of one of those people where I think that if he if he does have a breakout year this year, people will say that he's been flying under the radar. But the truth is that he just hasn't got the respect that he deserves, I reckon, especially after last season. Yeah, well, I mean, look, last season was... People were probably just waiting for that type of season. And again, it's um, yeah, it's up to him to stand up and get those numbers. I think all his, you know, his kicks during the game were really good, but he, he's going to try and top that this year. Because at the end of the day, he actually won an award more valuable or more uh, noteworthy than the Ray Guy Award, more noteworthy than the Brownlow or any other award in, in world sport. He won the Pro Kick Australia Golden Boot Award. <laughs> oh, he did. I said, no, he didn't, he didn't carry that around with him. I must tweet him about that because <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it in his back pocket or in the golf buggy or... There's a lot of stuff in his uh, room, but I didn't see that trophy. I'm going to have to hit him up for <laughs> and, that. And just so people know, the Pro Kick Golden Boot was this uh, this competition that amongst intra-club, uh, I suppose, competition between all the Pro Kick boys. So, you know, all the boys we're talking about today competed against one another, and Jamie Keane came out on top. So I reckon that's probably a pretty nice thing to have in your back pocket, even though the was coaches... It, was it measured on distance? Is that what it was, purely distance? Or no, it was a number of, diff- number of different kicks out wide, Length, right. height, going in, direction, placement, all that type of thing. So uh, it was, yeah, he'd, he'd uh, come out on top there. We should double check on the LSU bio on his page. You know how he usually has like high school freshman, you know, senior year, just accolades. If it doesn't say the Pro Kick Australia Golden Boot Award, I'll just shoot their IT department a little note just saying, by the way, Jamie actually won this award. Yeah, well, and get Jamie, man of his word, we had a, uh, a competition there, so I did get beat. When I competed against Jamie in the the kicking competition, I think he won something like about nine to three, I think. So he's close. Towed me up a fair bit, Um, but we had a little uh, side bet that old man chap. I I asked him what sort of boots he had, and he had these new Nike Tempos, and they were white. And I said they look really good. And he goes, "Well, if you can hit a five second ball, I'll get you a pair." So. I spent the afternoon trying to boot this <laughs> ball as high as I could. Anyway, I, I made it. So uh, nice, good old man uh, Jamie Keane 
thank him for his uh, yeah coming through with the the bet and uh, handing me his uh, pair of white Nike tempos, which I've never worn white boots, and um, but now the boys think I look like I'm speedy. Maybe, so. maybe, maybe white boots and some black socks, maybe. No, I'm not going the black socks yet. Do you think he'll uh, act as a good mentor for Josh Groudon, who's just gone over to LSU to, to succeed him? Will, will he do a tremendous job of uh, nurturing Josh and, and teaching him the ropes and all that sort of thing? Uh, nurture. Interesting, <laughs> interesting word. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't imagine Jamie's the nurturing type. I think it's more like the train's moving, keep up. Good. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be great for Josh Tough to love. learn. And just basically say, do what I do. Right, and this is how this is how it's going to roll, and this is how it's going to be. I don't think they're going to be holding hands along the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like, I guess. Yeah. Next up, uh, the, oh, I was going to say the other Gleason, but uh, you know that's not really <laughs> nice. Um, the Will Gleason at Ole Miss, obviously, uh, had a great start to his freshman year last year with two nominations for the Ray Guy weekly nominations for the Ray Guy Award. Yep. Didn't make the shortlist, but obviously had some uh, outstanding performances that got him noticed on a on a national level. Uh, what's uh, what's his trajectory this year? Oh, I mean, look, uh, he he'd been sharing punts um, based on what side of the field the ball was at. So I assume that they're going to do the same this year. Uh, uh, he he did, he'd done a number of rollout rugby punts. He did some spirals, and I think you know, Ole Miss started off really well last year. Ended up sort of falling away a little bit. I think towards the end of it and especially in that uh, I think their bowl game was a bit of a whitewash um, but again look he's got all of the tools there he's got a really strong leg he's second year in he's well, yeah, well third year but second year playing so he's going to be uh, expected to really stand up and we'd expect his numbers to to grow and develop as well I mean they, they were pretty good as they were but I would I would think that they'll um, they would also ask him to, to get another few yards if he can Let's go to the Big 12. You mentioned before, I think, with Jake Ford that uh, at one stage he was uh, looking to go to Texas. I think it was Jake Ford, was it? In the end, he didn't go there. He went to Oregon, but you did end up getting someone to Texas. Yeah, uh, Michael Dixon. We did a, a camp in Sydney in January. A really good story. This young kid had been on the AFL Swans Academy, uh, Junior Academy. New South Wales Academy. Uh, uh, team player the year before, I think, in under-18s as yeah. well. Yeah, so really good, great leader. I think he might have even been like a captain of that team. So he's pretty highly regarded, really well-built young man. Um, came down for a kick in uh, in January to our Sydney camp, which we are holding again this year, by the way. Looks like it will be September 26 in Sydney. So I'll, uh, the Flyers will be coming out shortly with that. But Isn't that grand final day? Oh, don't tell me, is it? That's... Or is it next week? No, this week's in October, isn't it? Oh, so yeah, so it's preliminary final day. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah. Don't um, worry, Carl's not going to be there, so it's all right. So he's, uh, look, he turned up and um, did really well, and we basically said, hey, Michael, I think you you got a real shot at this, but you need to move to Melbourne, and he was in Melbourne three weeks later. So Commitment. Um, he was projected to go in January 2016, but uh, the opportunity came up that when he was progressing along really well, had a very strong leg, uh, would have been fine, mature enough to, to go and handle it straight away. And so when when that opportunity fell over for Jake at Texas, he was there basically a backup plan for there. Um, and it came through. His paperwork was good to go. And uh, he's over there now and started off a bit nervous and, you know, basically said, oh, I'm going okay. I'm probably 50-50. But now he's, 
generally two and a half weeks in, guys start working it out, get the tempo and, and start delivering against, which he's done. This guy it seems to me. I, I think the the magnitude of this is, is uh, signing is uh, can't be um, stated enough. The fact that one, it's Texas. You know, the 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 the, the biggest athletic department in all of college athletics. They gross two hundred million in revenue sale, ticket sales and and merchandise. And you know, obviously uh, their football program is is what people do in Austin. But also the fact that it's your first foray into the Big Twelve, which is pretty much the last of the Power 5 conferences that you haven't actually had a kid in yet. Yeah, yeah. well, now there's may We would expect then that um, the Big 12 get a, a bit of a shock about what he can do, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get some phone calls along the way. But that's their job. Their job is to, to perform well for their team so that yeah, they basically make an opportunity for another guy coming through our program, and that's, that's you know, they're upholding their end of the bargain is to make sure they do that. And being a rookie or a freshman doesn't matter. You need to deliver. You've, if you've trained hard enough and long enough, if we've got you prepared well enough, then um, all you're doing is now doing it in front of 105,000 people. We've only got a couple of minutes left here, so we'll try to fly through the uh, the rest of the guys. We'll speak about Nick Jacobs from Memphis. Obviously, he's been playing there for a couple of years. What do you expect from Nick this season? Uh, yeah, well, Nick's, Nick was sharing punts again. He unfortunately was doing the um, the short midfield punts, so although his statistics were low, they were actually really good for what he was asked to do. Memphis is on the up. They performed really well last year. I, I hope their program just goes from strength to strength, but you know, uh, let's hope Nick's, again, done enough work to, to sort of pull him back into contention to have the, the full punting role as opposed to um, splitting duties. I was in the airport at LAX a couple of months ago and, and whipped out the uh, and bought the ESPN College Football Preview Edition, and in it was uh, I think for the ACC uh, All ACC team prediction for the punter position, Alex Canal, who's going into his senior season, big year ahead for Alex. Yeah, look again, he's a massive guy, um, young, strong, smart. He's uh, you know into his last year now, so they switched his kicks up a little bit, did a little bit more Aussie than previous years but again Alex man he's if he hasn't had about 400 punts so far in college football I'll go he uh, a massive amount so getting lots of experience uh, this year has has the leg and ability to punt pro style Um, you know what I think a lot of colleges are finding they're getting good net yardage with the Aussie rollout with our guys and that's why they're using it so um you know, you've got to do what the coach asks you to do. So, uh, could go further in into the you know being a real legitimate shot to go pro, as long as they give him the opportunity to punt pro style enough this year. So, uh, let's hope both of those things happen. And the last player I want to have a look at from the Sun Belt Conference is Stephen Coots from Louisiana Lafayette. Can you let us know a little bit about him? He's the um, he's probably the surprise packet. He's the he'll be and what we expect is your 2015 J.K. Scott. Big, tall guy. Jeez. <laughs> massive, massive leg, but that's probably, we'll put that pressure on him. He's got a great fluent technique. Uh, head coach at the Raging Cajuns only a few weeks ago basically said that he was probably the best freshman punter that he'd seen in a spring, you know, in, through spring camp Jeez. ever. Wow. As if to basically say, I've never seen a guy come in. He's made his presence known already. And dominate like that for a freshman during spring. So that's sort of what we, we it's not a surprise to us, but I think people will get a bit of a shock. Yeah, again, given it's not Alabama, but he's in a big enough program for people to, to take notice of his um, to, of his statistics. But he, he's, got a, he's got a great league, just a real natural 
smooth style. There's not much motion to it, and he smacks the bejesus out of it. And I imagine where they are being in Louisiana that their first few games, which are non-conference, who actually have some uh, some uh, big opposition that will be able to you know understand what he's capable of too. So he's showing against some good teams. Yeah, yeah, he'll get he'll get plenty of punts this year, and there's there's no doubt. Um, I uh, got and he's yeah coming um, you know from Brisbane in the heat. I know he's enjoying it down there. He's growing that big mullet out of his, so <laughs> oh. I wouldn't mind him cutting that off. Gross. But he's uh, not getting any TV games with that. Uh, well, uh, Tommy Hack got it last year. Yeah, oh, this is true. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just thinking before we go, uh, just to get uh, maybe some uh, pre-season picks from you, how many of these boys that we just mentioned, with the exception of Brad Craddock, we just focus on the punters here, are going to make the Ray Guy semi-final list of 10? Uh, I would be... I'd like to think that it's at least six. At least six? Six is minimum. Who's going to win it? <laughs> I think... Uh, I think I'm going to say I played the fifth. <laughs> no, 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 no. Can't do that. No, no, come on, go ahead. We ask the hard-hitting questions here on the yeah, floor. Yeah, okay. Who's going to win it? Uh, who's come on, in there? just put a, a cat amongst the pigeons and like, stir those boys up. Because I know, don't say Tom Hackett because you're already no, gonna No, all right. It'll be, uh, I think, standout year is uh, Jamie Kane. Jamie Keane. So you don't think any of the others are any good? No, they're all terrible. And so, and, and so what we deduct from that is Jamie's uh, chappy's favourite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, he, easy. He, 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 he provides me with white boots and plenty of T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, lift your game, boys. Other blokes need to stop worrying about the shorts. Give me tracksuit pants. I suppose the, the last one I want to ask about is who's going to be the biggest improver or the, the one that's going to come out of the woodwork where people don't understand what they're capable of doing until they... Oh, well, I think two things are going to happen. I think... The two that will get the focus or attention for coming out will be, I think one will be Blake O'Neill because he's in such a high-profile program and that they're going to rely on him, so there'll be more attention to it. And I think uh, I think Cootsie, Stephen Coots is another one where he'll, he'll jump off the page at people and just go, where's this guy come from? He's amazing. And one more question from me. How many of these boys do you reckon will be in the playoffs? Uh, There's some big-time programs there. Yeah, Obviously, okay. you'd say Ohio State would make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, then you got maybe Oregon might make it. Chance, uh, oh, yeah! If we had a double header there in the in the That'd playoff be right, wouldn't game, it? who would we go for then? <laughs> well, just imagine we have LSU, Ohio State, and um, and Oregon. You know, there's four boys right there. We've got, who else? Could we, yeah, oh, it depends. It's a bit, it's a bit hard to make predictions now. That's the whole point. But yeah. I'm just thinking too, when we talk about the positional players next week with the Mule boys at Baylor. Yeah. Oh, that's true. They're strong. Yeah, they're strong. They're so going to be strong this I reckon year. we're going to have a, a couple good... Uh, we're going to put an over-under of like three or four. <laughs> 3.5 is the over-under, I reckon. No, I think we need to get onto a um, someone who flies a plane and so that yep. at the last minute we can say, yep. we need to go. Yeah. Yep, we're in. We're on it. I'm dropping everything for that. <laughs> SEM's got the budget, don't they? Absolutely, they yeah. do. Anyway... Chabby, thanks so much, mate, for joining us. We uh, we missed you having uh, you in the studio. Obviously, we got you on quite a bit last season, and we'll do likewise this season. And you can keep us up to date with all the goings on from the boys over there. So, thanks for joining us. No worries, Vince.